What up, everybody? It's Cuff of the Vision Lab Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Farmers Insurance, the Robert Garcia Agency. If you're looking for the best insurance and customer service, make sure you pick up the phone and dial 972-645-1844. Whether it's home, life, or business insurance, Robert and his staff are the best at protecting you and your family. Once again, that's Farmers Insurance, the Robert Garcia Agency. Agency. The phone number, 972-645-1844. And the website is farmersagent.com forward slash R Garcia. And don't forget to mention the Vision Lab podcast. Welcome back to the Vision Lab podcast in partnership with Nexum Creative. I'm your host, Ryan Cuffey, alongside with my co-host, Mr. Ryan Mosley. Folks, today we have an absolute sensation here in the lab visiting with us. You're going to learn about... You know, whether or not you, you dropped out of college, uh, it doesn't matter, right? How to, how to overcome being in an abusive relationship. Um, and most importantly, how to shift your attitude and champion your change. Mo, who do we have on the show today? Cuff, today's guest is a native of Long Island, New York. She is a wife, a mom, has two kids, and an influencer, and literally one of the coolest people we've had on the show at this point. Please welcome the beautiful Bobby January to Vision Lab Podcast. What, what up? up? What up? What up? Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. It is an absolute pleasure. We see you all over social media. Uh, the beautiful Bobby January in the building. We are such uh, an honor to, to, to actually get you here in the lab. It's an honor for me. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. So champion your change. Um, you, you have a, a pretty robust uh, background. Why don't you Tell our visionaries who Bobby January is for and don't know. Bobby January. So let's kind of start with the name. Um, Bobby January actually is my mom's name. My mom, her name is Bobby. And she always kind of wanted me to, well, not me, but she wanted the first girl that was going to have a baby to name the child January, right? I didn't do that. I did have a girl. I was the only one in my family that had a girl, but um, she also passed away in January. So I said to myself, if I'm going to start something, I'm going to start a new page on Instagram. It's going to be um, a page that's dedicated to my mom. So that's, that's where that comes from. So Bobby January is, is, is that. Beautiful. Beautiful. So you're a native of Long Island. Um, what was it like growing up, um, back then in Long Island before you got to the MIA? Oof. So you, got a, you got a hell of a story. Growing up in Long Island, um, definitely kind of had its, its ups and downs. A lot of downs more than anything. Um, I grew up in a very, very abusive family. My dad and my mom was married for 14 years. Um, my dad was extremely abusive to my mom, physically, emotionally um, abusive. And of course, obviously, that, that abuse kind of rolls over to, to the kids, you know, growing up. It's six of us. Um, I'm the fourth child. I have two sisters older than me. I have a brother older than me. And then there's me, my sister Kathy behind me, and my brother Tony behind her. And um, it was just kind of really, really rough growing up. You know, no money. My mom was on welfare, um, raggedy house, you know, just, you know, uh, free lunches, anything. It was, it was just a real, real struggle for us um, coming up. 
and we didn't have a lot. And like I said, um, you know, it was it was hard times. So you know, by the time I was eight, I realized, uh, you know, just how how you know how poor we were, you know. And you know, I always say this though: we were a lower income, but we weren't lower class. You know, my mom kind of always kind of told us, you know, go to school, get educated, you know, iron clothes, take care of yourself, you know, make sure you look good. You know, she kind of gave us the bones and the and the and the and the, the background and foundation to be really good people. She was a great, great, great woman, but she was abused and she had mental illness and she had struggled with a lot of things growing up. And so that kind of played out. In, in our lives coming up, you know, we we never saw our mom strong uh, when it came to to that kind of stuff. But she was always physically strong and just strong in the sense that you know she saw in us, and she had so many hopes and aspirations for us. She saw in us that things that we obviously didn't see in ourselves, you know. And I feel like for me, that was my push. That was my push to. To, to change things because my mom just really loved us. You know, and if she didn't give us anything, she gave us so much love and so much support. She believed that we can do anything. And because of that belief, I believed I could do anything. It did, I, I was very aware that we didn't have anything, but because of her love and because of her adoration for all of us, she believed in us so much that I believe that I can do it. I believe that I could change the things that was happening. She always told us we didn't have to be like that. And, you know, I knew early on that what was going on with my mom. I didn't want to be like her in the sense that I didn't want to be in anything abusive. I didn't want to be around anything that was lack. I didn't like the way we were coming out. We were teased. You know, my mom is biracial. So we all kind of came out looking a little different at the time. And back in the 70s, that, that, that didn't really work well. You know, it was a divide, you know, black, white. So when you have these kids kind of coming on, it, it made it really rough for us in so many different aspects, right? So we had to deal with that. We had to deal with a lot of aggression with fighting and things like that. So coming up was so rough, you know, but, you know, Things changed, you know, and, um, you know, over time and, you know, consequently, I became, you know, the, I, I walked into the same patterns as my mom, right? I ended up being in an abusive situation. You know, I went on to, you know, college for a couple of years and I ended up being in the same kind of abusive situations because that's all I saw. You know, the way we resolve conflict um, in New York was hands, you know, everybody fought. It was like, you know, you had a problem, this is how we're gonna settle it, this is what we're gonna do about it. No one talked, nobody sat down and said, hey, you know what's going on? We didn't do that. It was like, it went from zero to kind of like 160, very, very fast. So, you know, I, I ended up in the same situation. I kind of dropped out of school and um, got pregnant and ended up in a you know abusive situation myself. So you you find yourself like you said you you, you find yourself starting to repeat the cycle, but mm -hmm. then um, at some point you had a moment of clarity. And so I'm curious as to how did you get from well, well not 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 how did you get from but what's the the mechanism that it, internally 
to where when you realized you were going down the same path, like what was your, your, your light bulb moment where you said, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop this cycle and do something different. What happened? What happened was I had a little boy. And when I got pregnant, I realized that I had somebody to do right by, not just myself. It, you know, I, I said, I'm not going to bring my child up the way I was brought up and um, end up getting out of that situation because I just didn't want my son around it. Um, you know, my son's father at the time selling drugs, you know, had me kind of in the middle of all of that. And I said, this is, this chaos is not going to be because I knew that my son didn't ask to be here and I have to be the one to take care of him. I will say this, my mom, no matter what happened, no matter how much we didn't have, she gave her last. And so that's the same kind of attitude I had with my son. I was like, you know, it doesn't matter what it's going to take. I'm going to make sure that he's loved the way my mom loved us. And so that was the change. That did it for me. I, I, I looked at him and I realized that we got to figure it out. And so that's what I did. You know, I, um, I got pregnant. I dropped out of school. I got out of that relationship and I started working. You know, um, his, my son's dad, um, his parents were very supportive of me. They helped me with my son. Um, I wasn't able to go back to school, but I definitely worked. I was not going to get on welfare. Um, I ended up working three jobs and somewhere along the line, I ended up pregnant again, you know, not from the same guy. Um, you know, I met my daughter's father and we, um, you know, he was very cool guy, you know, real, real nice, very different from my son's father. And, you know, but we were more friends than anything. So, you know, we had a child, he was also supportive of me and my daughter. And, um, you know, I just was a single mom, you know, and I decided that the three jobs was very hard. It was like, I never saw my kids. I never spent a lot of time with them. I was juggling them between my sisters, my brothers, you know, and I said, you know, this, we, we got to do something that you, you need a career. $7 and 50 cent an hour is not going to do it. And we're talking about the nineties, you know, at the time. And so even back then, I remember when I left New York, my last rent was like $1,200. And this was back in the nineties. And, you know, I remember saying, you know, you need to figure out a career. And so I got into insurance and I became um, a really, I had a really good career in insurance. I started out as an adjuster and I um, actually, let me back up. I started out as an admin and that still wasn't enough for me, but I wanted to make sure that I changed that. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I was going to get into a career that was going to kind of help me take care of my bills, have one job so I can be available to my kids. And, you know, I remember asking my boss, I said, listen, I don't want to be an admin for the office. If I, if I can hire someone else, would you let me become, you know, an adjuster? And he said, yeah, but that didn't happen. And someone else kind of came through the ranks and help me do that and help me make that dream come true. And so I remember I begged, I asked everybody, I sat with people, I, I said, lunchtime, I wanna sit with you, I wanna sit with you today. And you know, I just grateful that people were open to help me. And I feel like I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna kinda 
stay in that for a second. I feel like if you, you have to ask for what you want sometime. You can't wait for someone to give it to you. You cannot wait for an opportunity to fall into your lap. You, you have to demand sometimes the things you want. You have to put it out there and set your intention and ask because that's how you receive. A lot of times we're waiting for someone to do it and I didn't wait. I bogarted my way through that organization <laughs> and I bugged everybody. And, and, and some people didn't do it, but some people, some people did. And people invested in me. And because of that investment, I was able to kind of go on and have a career at that point. At that point, I was no longer an admin. I got my certifications in claims adjusting. I got my licensing. I was appraising cars in Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens. I was getting under cars, hoods, everything, running all over the place. But I was happy that now I have a career to call my own. And I didn't have a degree. And I pushed through. And I persevered. And that was the start of having a very, very long career in insurance. I've been in insurance now for well over 25 years, and it's been very good to me. Very, 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 very good to me. You know, Bobby, that's an amazing story. I think um, one of the things that you did, even at an at a early age, is you had a vision for, for yourself. You had a vision for your life. But the, the, the true mechanism that you uh, really utilized was taking inventory of who you are against where you want to be. Can you talk to our visionaries about how important, and I think you did a great job of kind of starting that, but can you talk to our visionaries about some of the things in your life that, that you need to change um, and how to go about getting those things that you want? Well, one of the things you definitely need to change is your mindset. You definitely need to be very, very aware of where you are in your life um, and be honest about where you are. Don't live in a fairy tale land and feel like, you know, okay, somebody's going to come save me. I feel like, and I, I want to say this because I feel like, especially for us young Black women, um, no one's, you know, no one, and this, and this is anybody, nobody's coming to save you. No one's coming to rescue you. And, you know, there's no such thing as fairy tales, only the fairy tale you create. You have to change the way you think and the way you feel about life. And once you get a hold of that, once you get a really firm hold of who you are, your skills, what you're capable of, things that you like, um, things that you enjoy, then you need to actually actively pursue those things. You need to run after them and fervently chase them with everything in your heart. And you need to realize that it's not gonna happen overnight. It definitely takes time. You will not wake up and then all of a sudden just have this success. Um, everything that I've built, I've built over a, you know, a 20, 25 year period. It, it takes time, a little bit here, a little bit there. You know, after a while you start seeing the zip codes change, the cars change, the houses change, you know, the, the dynamic of your life starts to change, but it all starts to change when you first change your mind. When you decide this is what I want, this is what I want to do, and you go for it, that's when it happens. But it will not happen if you don't start here. You know, you have to change your mind. And then everything else kind of falls into place. Well, you mentioned changing zip codes. So, at what point? Because uh, you know, for those listening, it's it's very obvious that you that you got that New York that New York background. 
So yes. what point did you go from New York to, to, to Miami? So what happened to me in New York was my son got to be about 11. You know, I told you guys I had my kids young. So by the time I was like 29, my son was 11 years old. He was already in junior high. My daughter was uh, six, six years old at the time. Um, I realized I did not want him to be in any of those schools. I fought my whole life. I had, I, I was a bad kid. I, I went through it. I fought from the time I was, you know, in elementary school up until high school. It was very, very bad. And that's the, I didn't want my kids to have that same experience. So I realized that we got to get out of here. And so I remember I visited Atlanta one time. I liked it a lot. And when my mom passed away, I felt like I didn't want to be in New York. I kind of felt like I was disconnected, disjointed from all of it. Um, I told my sisters and brothers that it's time for me to go. I'm going to take the kids and we're going to kind of get out of here. So I was the first one to kind of leave. I jumped ship. I got out of New York, uh, ended up in Atlanta. Um, my job at the time was in um, Alpharetta, Georgia. I didn't know anything about Alpharetta, Georgia. It was like, I went there and my boss was like, well, it's close to the job, so you might as well try to find something here. You know, the rent was literally like $500 cheaper. I was like, this is amazing. It was like nice. And so I ended up just kind of packing up and I took the kids and I was like, this is where we're gonna be. And I ended up in Atlanta. Family eventually started following. They came to visit. It was like, oh, all right, this is, this is cool. And, you know, because um, growing up in New York, it's like everything is old, it's rough, it's too much grit. It's like we were roughing it out in New York. So, you know, when they came in, like, all right, you look like a queen down here. So, you know, I want to go into this abusive thing because you're beautiful. You've got a, a great Instagram following. Um, you're a champion for change, but you grew up in, in a rougher environment where you had to fight. Um, and then you found yourself with your, um, your, your, your son's uh, father in, a, in an abusive relationship. So a lot of folks that are listening to your episode um, are going to sit here and say, well, dang, I, I never knew Bobby, you know, had to, had to deal with this, right? And I think one of the questions that may come up is why stay in in that vein why stay in that type of a relationship even though you were kind of already for lack of a better word like aware or familiar with you know having to having to fight it out like why stay in that type of abusive relationship so if i could talk to my younger self now i would say um you're staying because you're scared that you're not enough you're staying because you, you're scared, you're fearful of love because you don't know what that looks like. And you're, you're staying in that because, but, but I would say that there, there is love. There is, there's a love out there that is kind and patient and, and loving to you. And, you know, I stayed in that situation because I didn't know any better. I was a kid. You know, I had my son at 19. I was pregnant right out of high school. So 18, I'm pregnant, 19, I'm having a baby right into college. I'm, you know, in the middle of all of this. So, you know, when you don't know any better, you know, sometimes you don't really do any better. And it, you have to kind of force yourself to look within yourself and know that this is not normal. 
abuse is never normal. It's never, it's, it's, it's nothing about it that is okay for someone to be disrespectful with their words, um, to be disrespectful with physically attacking you and doing those things. You know, I stayed in those things because I was from that. And because I was a product of that, you know, that's the way I handled it. But even in the chaos, there's something in you that says, this is not right. This is something really wrong with this. And so, um, like I said, after I had my son, you know, I, I, it, it was something that went out, went on in, in my head. And I just said, this has to stop. If I keep allowing my kids to see this, you know, this is going to be who they are. And I didn't want that. I didn't want to be that kid. I remember being that kid going to school. I remember being the kid going to school and crying at eight years old because I thought my mother was going to die. I remember going to be, you know, having a stutter, having a stammer, having that, having a speech impediment because of abuse. Because that abuse leaks over. It makes you nervous. It makes you have anxiety. No child should be anxious at seven and eight. No child should know innocence should be stripped away from them. So our innocence was stripped away from us very early, you know, not knowing what was going to happen to my mom and worrying, you know, your children shouldn't worry about you as an adult, you know, you should be worried about your children. So for us, it was the opposite. We were worried about my mom, you know, and so because of that, that's what I wanted to change. I never wanted my children to worry about me and they never had to. You know, I made sure that after I had my son that I was going to change this. And so that's what I did. I changed that. And I would say to anybody, don't stay because you are enough. You, you don't have to be like this one or that one. You know, you are enough just as you are. Even if you don't have the money right now, even if you don't have all the weaves, even if you don't have all, you know, the extra added stuff, you are enough. And I think a lot of, a lot of abuse comes from that, comes from feeling like you, you're not worthy. You're not worthy of love. You're not worthy of these nice things. You're not worthy of this great life. You know, you have to stay in something like that. And once you kind of feel like you are enough, you change. You change, you know, there's a, what is it? There's a saying that says kind of like you attract, um, you know, who you are. I don't believe that. I feel like you attract what's in your mind. Like what, like you attract where you are mentally in your mind. You're, you're only going to um, grow as much as you allow yourself to grow mentally. You know, once you start thinking that you should have more, then you start to get more. You change, you change the type of menu date, you change the, the, the conversation start to change, the dialogue starts to change, you know, you're not talking to the guy that's your mom was good with, you know, <laughs> you're not, you're not running after that guy, that stuff doesn't appeal to you anymore, you want to be addressed in a different way, you want to have different conversations, you want somebody to be emotionally in tune to who you are, and not somebody that doesn't just care about you as you know a physical person or want to control your beauty because a lot of guys and in their insecurity that's that's what they want to do you know they see what you have they see your light you know they see who you are they see you know everything great even when you don't see it that brings sometimes the, those people because the same light that attracted that that attracts the the moth attracts the parasites the same light you know so you got to be careful with your light. You yeah, that's good. That's good. 
Write that down, Cup. The same moth, the same light that attracts the moth attracts the parasite. Put that in the book. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one for sure. Do you share in some resentment of your father for the treatment and abusiveness of your mother? I did early. I did early when I was young. I would say when I was fighting and I was in those young years and, you know, I would put hands on people too. You know, if, if, if somebody stepped out of line, it was like, you know, this is, this is the way I did it. And I knew that that came from my dad. I knew that that anger ended up kind of being my anger because, you know, I, I hated what he did to my mom. And I ended up being almost kind of like the same person you know, in a lot of ways. And once I realized that, I was like, you know, he just didn't know any better. You know, like when you, but, it, but, but you have to get mature enough within yourself too, right, to realize that. Because some people never do, even adults. Some adults never figure this out to say it wasn't their fault. This is kind of how I mentor. Because there are people that's really stuck they are stuck at that point where they can't get past, you know, and a lot of it is when I deal with the coaching and the mentoring, I get down not to what people tell me, but to the surface. There's something underneath everything. And it all comes from with, I'm, most of it is I'm not enough. My dad didn't love me enough. My mom didn't love me enough. Something, something made you feel inadequate early. And as a result of that, it, it, it ended up in your life somehow. So even if you learned how to make money, even if you were extremely wealthy, even if you had all this stuff, but you buy 10 cars, you don't need 10 cars. You don't need, you know, all these different things. You have to get to the core of what it is that, that caused you. And I realized that my issue was that I was in those bad relationships because I never had a man to show me love. I, I didn't see a man taking care of my mom. My dad never bought me a pair of underwear. You know, my mom took every last penny she had and, and dropped it on us. You know, I remember the first time I realized that there was no Christmas, I was nine years old. And my mom still had us believing like there was Santa Claus. And I remember, you know, the day when my dad, you know, didn't, I guess he didn't come with the money and my mom, I remember her just crying, go to bed, there's no Christmas, there's no such thing, it's sad, Santa, your dad fucked everything up. And I'm this nine-year-old kid like, what do you mean there's no Santa? Like, I, it, was, it was like the night before Christmas and I'm thinking like, toys are coming, everything's coming, and there's snow outside, it was like a perfect Christmas in New York, and dreams all shattered. You know, and I could have took that and I could have been so hateful, but I remember that story and I remember that a lot of my innocence was pulled away from me, you know, and, and it wasn't my choice, but I, it, but it was what I was given and I had so, to figure it out. Let, let me, let me, let me ask this, like at nine years old, mom is like, you know what? She's pissed. Dad didn't come through, whatever, whatever. Um, are you in your mind at nine, at nine years old? Like I got a 10 year old, right? So I, I can totally relate, but I'm trying to like picture that in her mind, if that were to happen here and she just discovers Santa's not real, but like, how do you, how do you have that cognitive ability? Number one, 
how do you have the con cognitive ability to work through that? And is that something that is, um, that can be done across the board? Yeah, you can. You can definitely change your, your, your wiring, everyone, every human being, right? So, you know, you, you know, you, again, though, you have to want to. You have to be willing to do the work. It's not something that just, just happens. At nine, I was the, I can't believe this is happening at nine years old. Um, but it, you know, all those years, you know, you, you're the angry kid. You're the, you're the fucked up kid. You're the kid that's like telling every other kid, like, there's no Santa. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't even buy into the story. It's a lot, you know? And so, but I remember wanting to, do the same for my kids. I wanted my kids to hold on to some kind of innocence, you know, but you'd be surprised like children, you know, you know, you know, being older, you remember things from as young as four. You remember things from as young as like three, four, five years old. That's when it starts. That's when the wiring starts. Every, every person that is born, we're kind of with this blank slate until these other things start coming through. So let me switch gears for a second, right? So You've, you've, you've had this moment of clarity. You've made changes in your life. You, you, you found yourself in Atlanta. Eventually, you, you landed in Florida. Um, and, and at this point, like I said, you're 20, 25 years deep into the insurance game. You've got, a, you've got an Instagram following. But like you told us before we actually started recording, you've got like a new, a new passion that you're really like sinking your teeth into. Can you expand upon a little, a little bit about what that, what that is all about? My new passion. So when I moved to Atlanta, I'm gonna back up a little bit. So when I moved to Atlanta, um, I had, you know, was coming out of a relationship and I, I would say about three years uh, after that breakup, I just kind of sat. I ended up meeting my husband um, where I worked and started dating him. And then, you know, a few years later, we ended up married um and so after we got married raised the kids we had a house built and did all those things and once the kids got older and i do want to say this um because i probably didn't highlight that earlier um my husband has three kids with a previous marriage so it's we do have a blended family um it's five kids and he has three and they're all the same age so right now the kids are 30 two of them are 30 Two are 26 and one's 25. So, um, you know, we blended the family, but when we sold the house, we ended up in Miami. Everybody kind of split up, did their own thing because the kids are now adults. And we ended up in Miami and uh, started this new life because my husband kind of got a job out here and I was able to work from home, which is, which is really good for me. But, um, and this is probably going to take me, I, I'm, I'm telling the story because it's going to take me into the whole cigar thing as well. So we came to Miami and my husband's been smoking cigars. I want to say now 15 plus years. I, I hated cigars. I hated them at the time. But when we moved here, I remember him having some sort of a bet. And if I lost, I would have to smoke a cigar. I don't remember the bet. I can't even tell you, but I lost I had to smoke a cigar. So the first cigar that he gave me was a Drew Estate Blondie. And I absolutely loved this cigar. It was like my first time ever. I was like, oh my God. 
I'm hooked. So that's kind of how I got into cigars. And, um, and because of that, I ended up kind of getting on Instagram. And I was this girl kind of, this is back in like 2015, I'm smoking my cigars. I would take pictures of my cigars. And so that's kind of how um, the Instagram thing kind of became bigger and bigger because everybody started to like the whole cigar thing, you know? And I was like, oh, okay, we're kind of like onto something with this <laughs> cigars. So that's how Instagram, Instagram became a, it, it took more of an interest for me because I initially was on Instagram to follow my kids. You know, I was a mom that's kind of like a helicopter. I was like, what are they doing? You know, let me see, let me see what the kids are doing. And I didn't know anything about social media at the time. I did have a Facebook, but um, I didn't have an Instagram. And so I started to get more popular because people would see me posted up with these cigars and then my kids were like, all right, mom, like, look at you, like you out here, you know, getting all this attention or whatever. People are asking me, like, is your mom like an influencer or anything? And I'm like, no, you know, she's just kind of like my mom, she smokes a lot. So my kids started feeling like, all right, mom's kind of cool. So, so that's kind of how I got into Instagram. It started with the cigar thing, but um, I realized quickly as I started writing, I had a, a real passion for just kind of spilling my heart out. And um, because of that transparency, it kind of made me realize that, you know, I have all this stuff in my heart to kind of share. And back in 2015, I was like, you know, people were like, well, you should write a book or you should do a podcast and all these different things. I kind of sat on it, pondered and said, maybe, but I, I didn't do it. And then it just kind of got to the point where it just became like a, the, the itch just got bigger and um, the writing became more, um, the, the tap on the shoulder and the whisper in the ear was like, okay, now you gotta do something with this because people are listening and paying attention and what happened was my DMs start to just flood. Um, they just overloaded and people were like, do you, do you coach, do you mentor? Like, I would like to talk to you more. And so people started really pouring out stories and their lives and things that was going on. And here I am spending all this time with people that I didn't even know. And I'm talking to them and I'm like, all right, I need to do this. This is, you know, this is something that I need to do. So finally, five years later, I kind of got to this like sweet spot and said, you know, this COVID-19 showed up, uh, you know, we're all in a timeout. It's definitely nay, your time to really figure this out. And so I took some money out, $5,000 to be exact, hired a marketing team, hired a coach, and I started to uh, tell them that I want to rebrand and now I'm focused on coaching and mentoring on a professional level so that's where we now, are does does the rebrand mean that we're no longer going to see a Bobby January or is there going to be a new leg or new element to Bobby January there there's another page um, I actually started this page uh, wouldn't say like a year ago it was kind of like my page to just kind of like out my heart page but this is actually going to be my business page for coaching and developing i'm developing a website now it should be done pretty soon probably by the end of may um i should have my website done and 
um, the rebrand is actually going to look and feel different. So it's going to actually have a whole um, different feeling from what you see. My Bobby page is more of a lifestyle page. So I said, I'm going to keep it the way it is because I've built a following of people who know me from smoking cigars and engaging and connecting with me in that way. So I don't want to confuse my following with, with anything different in terms of the look and feel of my page. So I'm going to use my other page to do that. And it's called Coach Bobby January. And what kind of thing from Coach Bobby J? Well, you can kind of expect for me to have a discipline and work balance and family balance and um, um, anything that deals with, you know, transformation of your mind and um, doing things like that. So anything from career development to personal growth and development to working with women and mentoring young women through difficulties and challenges of being a single mom to marriage um, you know, challenges, because, you know, we all have that, you know, those challenges too, from a relationship standpoint. Will we see anything about blended families and how to navigate those waters? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I definitely had a lot of challenges there and it, it takes a, it takes a special uh, relationship to kind of work through um, blending families, especially when kids are older and you know, and things are, you know, new and, and different for kids that are not so young. Love it. So um, this has been great so far. And, and, you know, Bobby, you and I had, have had numerous conversations even leading up to this interview. Um, and you mentioned some buzzwords and, and Cuff allowed me to, for us to pay some bills, if you will. You mentioned the word cigars and, 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 and getting into all that. Uh, we know that you have been to Texas at some point in the past, but whenever you get here, we are going to take you to a place called Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge in Duncanville, Texas. Uh, shout out to Edwina and the family. I believe the address there is 215 West Camp Wisdom. Um, and then when we actually get you into Blowing Smoke, we're going to get you a stick from the good guys, the definition of cigars. They are local here, homegrown. Um, they just released their flavored, flavored line of sticks. Um, they're putting pressure on a lot of people out here, and that's another conversation. But uh, for those listening, you can find uh, find them uh, on Instagram at Definition Cigars, or you can order directly. Uh, the website is definitioncigars.com. Um, as we you know delve more into the world of cigars, when what what are some of your favorites? I, I should that's probably the best way to, to, to get into it. Okay, so I am definitely more of a mild to medium cigar smoker. So I definitely do a lot of Connecticut's. Uh, one of my favorite, though, cigars is the Oliva J um, series. I absolutely love Oliva cigars. Um, I love all the cigars, but I stick with the G just because it's kind of middle of the road for me. Um, I'm still a little bit of a, of a wimp when it comes to Maduro's, but I, I definitely love my G. I, um, about a year ago, I kind of started smoking the Cohiba um, Connecticut. I like that one too. I do like, you know, H. Upman. I do Avos. I do Monte Cristo cigars. I mean, anything that's kind of like middle of the road, I'm, I'm good. Um, but I don't really, I, I, how do I say it? There's two cigars that I smoke. There's the ones that I like and the ones that I don't. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's 
my line. I tell people all the time, like, listen, there's two cigars. There's, there's the ones that I like and the ones that I don't. So, you know, for me, I'm always open to try different things. I have a lot of relationships with cigar people living in Miami just because I've, I've tra- I travel so much. And when I'm in different cities, I try to meet as many cigar people as I can. And, um, and living in Miami, obviously, there's so many different cigar companies here from my father to uh, Padron to um, Miami Cigar Company, um, just everybody, just so many. And so obviously, I've built so many relationships with some good people. And I'm always with a lot of cigars. <laughs> everybody yeah. looks at like Renee. Yeah, for sure. Um, let, let me ask you this. What is what is the cigar done for Bobby January? What has it done for me? Well, I will say this. I'm so appreciative of the fact that, one, my following, I feel like, has, has grown a lot because of the cigar, you know, friends and community, for sure. Um, and meeting and meeting all those people, um, it has afforded me the opportunity to make some friendships. You know, um, I actually have some really good friends because when I first moved here, I didn't know anybody. And smoking cigars was the thing that kind of connected me to a lot of different people. And so because of that, that's more than anything what it's done for me. I've met some really dope people every from, from LA, to Atlanta, to New York, you name it, everywhere in between. Um, there's some cities I need to, to, to get to just because there's some people like, if you're ever in Virginia or DC, hit, hit us up. So I do have some, some people that's been following me for years that I want to meet and that's- Dallas. Dallas, for sure. Absolutely. So that's what it's done for me. I meet some incredible people. Um. Outside of your lovely uh, balcony there in Florida, where are some of the places that you actually like to go smoke? So I do Prime Cigar, which is literally across the street from me. It's like a block over. I walk over, um, have a smoke with them. That's like, I would say, my cigar home. Um, they, they're family to me. And in Miami, you really can smoke anywhere. We don't have like restrictions. So any rooftop, anywhere outside, anywhere you want to smoke, you can smoke. So I prefer to smoke outdoors. I, you know, if I can be outside on a rooftop somewhere, like really cute brunch restaurant or um, somewhere that has kind of like, you know, the river or something, I, I smoke outside. So for me, my home is, you know, Prime Cigar Miami, but there's, there's other shops um, all over the place. Uh, I can't think off the top of my head right now the names of them. Um, Espinola Cigar is really good. Um, that's close to Lincoln uh, Avenue. And then there's um, Top Notch, um, which is up north uh, with Jay. Uh, those, are, those guys are really, really nice. I hang out with them sometimes. But um, that, for me, is a longer drive. So I end up just kind of like staying local. Have you had a chance to, and, and shout out to the folks over at Big Smoke Miami, but have you had a chance to, to, to go to their event? Big Smoke, I've been to Big Smoke like two times and um, Black Smoke as well. 
Um, I've been to Black Smoke a couple of times. They've only had it a couple of years, but I've done that as well. I try to kind of do those events in pockets here and there. They were so actually supposed to do Big Smoke in Miami in April and it didn't work out. But I was just there in November in Vegas. Sure, for sure. If we if we reach a if we reach a certain point of the interview cup, we need to like kind of land the plane a little bit. Yeah, let's 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 get into it. So this is uh, the Vision Lab, as you know, Bobby. And so Cuff and I are curious, uh, what is the long-term vision for one Miss Bobby January? The long-term vision for me is to focus on my coaching and loving on people and just trying to help as many people as I can to find themselves, to champion their change. You know, to be, to take ownership of their life and to really work on it and to reach back and maybe help somebody else. But I got, you. got you. So you clearly are, are, are one heck of a person, right? And you're a super strong woman. Uh, another one of the things that Cuff and I thought about when, you know, we finally had a time nailed down for you is being a woman who's been through so much at this point in your life, what would you say would be the most powerful trait that you possess as a woman? I mean, I feel like the fact that I'm just me, it's, it's, it's a gift to have your own personal stamp from God. I, there's, there's no other person I want to be other than myself. And, I'm, and, and one of the things that I take a lot of pride in is just kind of coming into a higher consciousness and, and elevating my mind and, you know, my emotional maturity and all those different things, you know. I, the biggest thing for me, I would say that I've learned is to just let go of your ego. Get out of it. Don't stay there. Grow. Learn from other people. You're not always right. You know, listen a lot you know, and just take, take, take inventory of, of who people are and, and accept people for who they are and not try to change people. But, you know, listen, you know, grow in wisdom, grow in, grow in, in everything, in every part, you know, chase things that you wouldn't normally chase, read books you wouldn't normally read, you know, do things that you wouldn't normally do, have experiences you wouldn't normally have. You know, be intentional about your relationships. Talk to somebody that doesn't look like you. Go find a friend in, in India and, and, make, and, and start learning other cultures. Travel. Get out of your box. You know, the more aware you become of the world, the more aware you become of yourself. You, you, you're not going to grow until you start to move outside of your comfort zone. Get out of your own way. That's that it. is a huge, huge nugget. Um, and, and it really spoke to me, like, get outside, go to, to, go to Bangladesh, go to yes. uh, Asia. Like, because we're so um, entrapped by the, in our environments, and that's not the world, no. right? How can you gain true perspective if you only have a limited vision? Right. And really, Bobby, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Like, that's what the Vision Lab podcast is all about. And I think you just really reminded us of a different dimension, which is 
not only do you need to look at yourself from an introspective perspective, but look at the world because it's not just what's in your, you know, in your purview. It's everything outside of it, you know, peripheral, tertiary, or what have you. That was that was big. I I, I for one am in, in inspired and impacted by by that nugget alone. Um, that was huge, and I just want to say thank you for that. It's it's been amazing to actually sit down and have you here in in the lab and, and talk to us. My only regret is that we didn't you know get a chance to smoke with you. Um, yes. Although I do think that we will, right? Yeah. We we shall. Uh, whether we whether the Vision Lab podcast gets out to uh, Black Smoke Miami or you come to Dallas and, and visit um, and visit us here, but I, I do want to thank you for being on the podcast and uh, on every episode with every guest we always ask this question. But before we do, I want to give you the opportunity, Bobby, to to drop your social media handles to all the visionaries to all the Bobby January fans that are listening and watching right now. And by the way, if you're, if you're tuning in on YouTube, make sure that, uh, that you like the video and that you subscribe uh, to the Vision Lab podcast where we have guests each and every week, just like Bobby January, to hopefully inspire you. But I um, want to give you the opportunity to um, drop your social media handles for all those that are listening. My social media handle is Bobby, B-O-B-B-I-E underscore January. And that's my Instagram. My other Instagram is Coach Bobby January, which will be in full effect by the end of the month. And my Facebook is the same, Bobby January. So everything is Bobby January. You can't miss it. Um, it's you and there's a round table. There are five other seats. Who are the five of the people at your table? The only stipulation we have is that you can't have God. Or whoever. Oh, five. Dead or alive. <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The, the, the only stipulation is you can't have God. Or whoever. Um, so Oprah would definitely be one for me. Uh, my mom would be one. Um, my dad, so I can tell him some things that I never told him. Ah, uh, let's see. That's three, right? Yep. Probably Prince, because he had so many awesome ideas and so many wonderful things that he was starting that never was shared with the world. I want to know those things, um, how he wanted to inspire so many people. So him, um, and then let's see. You got one more. Make it a good one. Oh, um, five, five. Oh, um, I'm stuck. Um, you got Oprah, Prince, your mom, your dad. So you got one more. Probably. One ex-boyfriend that did something that I would love to tell him, look at me now. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Look at you. Look at what you did. Thank you. I, I want to thank him. 
That's what I motivation for sure. For sure. What advice would you give yourself from five years ago? I would say start the mentoring now. Don't wait. It's in you. You have it. Be confident in yourself. Trust. Even if you make a mistake, do it. Don't wait. Don't don't waste any more time. We, we keep hearing that over and over and over again. So visionaries, if you're listening, move, act, put it put it put it out there, Absolutely. make it happen. I love that. Okay, so we're gonna fast forward the clock five years from now. We're gonna make you five years older. So forgive us, right? Um, but we're gonna give you five more years. What is the older version of Bobby January? What advice would you be giving yourself today? Um, hmm. I would say just slow down enough to enjoy all you have, you know, just be grateful and feel really, really blessed and rest in those moments of time with family get off the phone, um, be present, be more present, be there instead of like, you know, constantly we're, we're in this rat race of, you know, the job and juggling everything, always in the phone and put your phone down and leave it alone. It's okay. Get back to like old times, like back in the day when you didn't even have a phone, just enjoy it, take it all in and just appreciate all the blessings that's around you you don't want to miss it great words great words absolutely love that um it's about gratitude folks and at the end of the day being appreciative of the moment that you're actually in um, yeah. we've been blessed to be uh sitting in the lab with with bobby january in miami um, to all of our visionaries that are tuning in and, and watching us on our youtube channel the vision lab podcast um we just want to say thank you all of our guests here in the Vision Lab podcast will drop nuggets of wisdom. It's really up to you guys to, to pick up those nuggets and apply those to your, your life journey. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, well, first of all, Bobby, thank you again for hopping on with us. We appreciate you. Uh, we look forward to actually meeting you in person one day and then having to stick with you. Um, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ryan Mosley. He is Ryan Cuppy. The voice you've been listening to is the one and only Bobby January. And uh, we will see you next week on another great episode of the Vision Lab podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much. Blessings. Play.